From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, this is Robert Seidman. It's been a while, uh, but by having me on his podcast last week, Richard Deitch unintentionally inspired me to test something out, and this is that test. Uh, joining me today is a former regular who is these days big-timing it as a sports entertainment writer for the New York Post, Ryan Glasspiegel. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, finally, The Rock has come back to the Sports TV Ratings podcast. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, it's it's. I, I looked at, I looked this up. So I haven't done any podcast since uh, early August 2019. And the last time you were on was like in the first half of May 2019. So it's been almost three years, if you can believe it. The world was a little bit different then. Yep, yep. We caused COVID by not talking anymore. It's our fault. <laughs> uh, uh. Okay. So uh, while Andrew Marshan was on vacation, you covered for him uh, for a week, I think with his, it's called the Post Sports Newsletter. The Post Quicker Sports Newsletter. Sports. Uh, and uh, and you wrote about several things, but there was, there was a couple of them that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first being the NBA ratings and uh, your idea of uh, NBA ratings impact pie chart. I want to talk about that. And uh, you also talked about the USA Network sort of as a as a big time player in the sports world. And I want to talk about that. But uh, but before delving into the NBA pie chart, you said something the other day. I heard you say something that it really made me smile. And you made me smile about a topic which annoys me very much. And what you said was the uh, everybody had issued some kind of code of America around release of, out of any out-of-home ratings, and they are just unavailable uh, to get. And it is so true that uh, that, that, is, that is something that is, is nearly impossible. I think maybe completely impossible. I haven't seen any anywhere in months. Yeah, no. So I would assume that a majority of our listeners right now know what we're talking about. But just in case they don't, I think we should um, describe it real quick. So in the fall of 2020, right, the Nielsen started including yep. out of home ratings in their immediate um, measurement. And so the... Um, uh, they used to calculate this before, but it wasn't included in the number that we would see the next day. And so basically when it would come out, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks later, nobody would really care because it's like, who cares about something on the Super Bowl out of home viewership in April? Nobody. And so um, now they, they, they give the people who are the the Nielsen measurement guinea pigs. They give them these devices that theoretically know when they're watching a show at a bar or a restaurant or at a friend's house, gym, hotel, on and on down the line. And we've known reflexively for a long time that a lot of people consume TV that way. I mean, unless you're a hermit, you, you watch TV outside of your home, but those numbers weren't really tabulated in the metrics that we all saw. And so because they introduced it in the fall of 2020 at a time where very few people were leaving their home, nobody knew um, it wasn't really kind of changing the numbers. And last year, even it wasn't having a market effect 
But now all of a sudden you see all of these sports, the NBA included, NFL was up big. We see like these stats that NASCAR is up 20%, as Ethan Strauss said. And you're like, okay, where is this all coming from? Part of it, I'm sure, is that less people are watching the news and that news and sports on the margins are substitute products. But I think a more of it is the fact that these out-of-home ratings are, you know, kind of like home runs in 1998, <laughs> where <laughs> uh, they're just kind of juicing the numbers a bit, but we can't know how much. And anybody who does know how much has an incentive to shut up about it because they're using these numbers to get bigger ad rates. And so um, <laughs> we're, we're just... To the extent that out-of-home ratings are driving some of these bigger viewership numbers, we know that they are, but we don't know how much. Okay, so before, so I have a source, and it ultimately dried up like a like a raisin baking in the hot desert sun. But uh, I got some out-of-home ratings before the Nielsen correction for undercounting, which you didn't bring up. So Nielsen went like you know the first year plus of undercounting out of home ratings and then they then they they fixed it and they went back and corrected the numbers although i have seen you need to use air quotes under undercounting and fixed but yeah yes yes all this stuff is even for nielsen i think would admit largely some of the this stuff is an approximation but they 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 were undercounting and i think that they given given their mea culpature that they did with it they were undercounting by you know some considerable amount and uh, so the numbers that I saw, I saw like the first, the first month of NFL ratings uh, with out of home, with the out of home contribution, uh, before, but before the adjustments were made, right? So this would have been last September before, before yeah. the fix was in. And um, it was 10% on average. Some of the afternoon windows were higher. Some of the primetime windows were lower, as you might expect. But on average, it was around 10%. And... Um, other other data that has come out since then, like the only thing I've really seen since then was I, like I saw the number for the Thanksgiving game. And then I saw ultimately the NFL do, you know, a press release of the top five games and the number for the thing. And this was after the adjustments and the number for the Thanksgiving Cowboys game went up by three million. Right. So what happened there was they had a number. So it's kind of like another 10 percent. Uh, so in that case, like they had a number that are, so this is all I know. They had a number that was like 38 million I'm rounding. It was 38 million and it had some OH out of home viewing in it. I don't know how much. And then they added 3 million to that. Right. So that was another 7%. But I, I also think Thanksgiving is the biggest out of home viewing event of the year. Right. People watching at other people's houses. Uh, that, that may be, the, yeah, that may be the Super Bowl bigger, but yeah, other than that. Yeah, I don't even know if the Super Bowl is bigger than Thanksgiving. That's an interesting question. Maybe someday uh, Mulvihill Mul- Mul- will take pity and and uh, and release that information. Uh, but yes, Super when, Bowl when he big. retires on a bed of money, we're going to learn so much. <laughs> yeah, so Super Bowl was big. Thanksgiving was big, and Christmas benefited too. I think more than more than other stuff. Okay, so now with all of that said, NBA ratings are are doing good. The uh, I think I saw that the NBA put out a, a statement that the that the the Nets Celtics game Celtics series 
was like the most watched series since blah blah blah. Yeah, and, 2016 or something. And uh, um, no, no, on their part, no, no notice of uh, the out of home viewing impact. But uh, and that doesn't surprise me. This I'm really sad that that series ended in the sweep because like that was the that was the biggest series. But anyway, um, you and your your new I like I like the pie chart concept. So first of all, give us your pie chart of what are the things impacting your pie chart slices for what are the things impacting MBA ratings? Yeah, so we know, I think we know what the slices in the pie chart are, but we don't know how big they are. So, and, and I'd probably be more successful if I would act like I was sure about these things. But um, so number one, as we spoke about, and this isn't in a particular order, but out of home ratings, Number two, there's all these like exciting young stars across the league. Uh, John ja Morant, Giannis, I guess Giannis isn't that young, but he feels young because the first like four years of his career were kind of memory hold. But um, like Morant, Giannis, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, um, on and on down the line. Number three, the Warriors resurgence. They're they are a big ratings draw. Like they did like 30% higher versus LeBron than like any of the other previous LeBron finals. And so you have to give them some credit for that and some agency in those numbers. And the fact that they're back and they're the biggest draw locally and nationally is definitely um, propelling the league to some extent. This is the first season in three years that started and ended, knock on wood, at the right time. Yeah. Um, the, the 2020 season um, ended late. Last season started and ended late. And so the fact that it's in the normal rhythm of the calendar year yeah. is definitely helpful. And then this is the thing that both of us think that we've really, I think, been the only people who have brought up. Not both of me, but you and Ethan. <laughs> yeah, both bo Ethan and I is in the bubble specifically. The NBA really embedded social justice advocacy in its product, and it may have been a deal that they had to make with the players institutionally. Maybe some of it was sincerely felt, but it was like really like in your face, like you know, big blocks on the court, the names on the back of the jerseys were social justice messages. There were like these long features in the middle of games that um, really kind of drew attention to the outside world. And so I'm not saying that those social justice messages were wrong and that black lives don't matter. What, what I am saying is that sports are inherently an escape from the weight of the world for a lot of the people who watch it. And so when you're embedding these weighty topics in the middle of people's entertainment product, people gravitate towards other entertainment products. And so, like I said, I don't know how big a part of the pie chart this is, but the NBA has reverted to presenting the games as the games right so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my pie, ch pie chart and then we we could co compare and contrast so um i have oh out of home viewing is is the biggest slice and in fact uh, while i agree with you we don't know how big any of these slices are uh, i'm gonna say that's 50 percent at least and i probably put it at 60 percent of the impact of the of the ratings improvement um i'd lump the, all i agree with you about the stars 
Uh, I want the stars, the storylines, and even in the Warriors for now into one slice. Like as the playoffs continue, I'll break them out into their own slice. But uh, but for now, I I mean they're one series, right? And they weren't even the most. Last night's series. Warrior ratings are going to be really big, I predict, because that was a close game. Yeah, and that and that series is over in five games now too. So they they uh, the short series is something maybe we can talk about. Uh, back to back to the pie chart. I I and I think I don't know how big I'd put it, but I put it bigger than you maybe. Is the normal schedule uh, being back on the normal calendar? I, I think I put I, that stuff first in the story. Okay, so I wasn't convinced that that was a big deal pre-COVID, but that that you know the COVID natural experiment has convinced me that. Uh, you know, people's viewing schedule behavior uh, when they watch certain things is a is a is a pretty big deal. Um, you, I, I want to go on a real tangent real quick because I haven't had a chance to fire off this take. But you remember when Mark Cuban of the world wanted to like start the season at Christmas? That yeah. idea really fell yeah. by the wayside. But I actually have a random idea. If they started the season in like August had most of the doldrums of the regular season against football season, but then had March and April and the beginning of May as the playoffs. I think their playoff numbers would be enormous because they wouldn't be competing with nice weather in half of the country. Yeah. I think the, I think the issue there becomes like, I don't know how tough the ad sales become when you're that much against the NFL. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I was with you actually when, when Cuban first was talking about that, I was like, yeah, why not try this? And then we got the experiment and I, and I thought, I thought a lot differently about it. But it's anyway, tricky. That, oh, that, fans that, in the stands is the other thing that we didn't mention. Like last year at the, towards the end of the playoffs, all the arenas were full, but for the regular season and much of the playoffs, there were a bunch of empty or like mostly empty arenas and I think more than anything during the pandemic, the thing we learned about sports is how essential the lit stadiums and arenas are as part of the television presentation. Oh, absolutely. So uh, just back to finishing my pie chart, I don't have a slice. I do not. uh, I round the activism thing to zero. It doesn't get a slice. And my counterfactual for that is presentation wise, it didn't hurt the NFL at all. Maybe the, it's a bigger stadium than the, the small arenas, but they had the stuff in the end zones and on the helmets and it had zero impact or it was much that, smaller. It was huge. It was all, it was in the end zone. It was on everybody's helmets. It's just that the stadiums are much it was, the, the back of the Jersey was like an enormous part of the presentation. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. I, 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 buy right. but I, I still round, I still round that slice to, uh, to zero impact on the ratings, but, um, I would actually break out OOH into its own pie chart. And I think there are a few components to that, which is just the regular, the out of home viewing, the, uh, the corrections now that are in versus all the public numbers we saw last year. And the fact, and, and you know, maybe, maybe we disagree on this, but I, I think that, you know, there's just been like continued improvement with COVID, at least visually in my world, when I am not looking at Twitter, uh, when I'm when I'm outside in the neighborhood uh, or even watching on TV, it looks like to me COVID is over for the most part. And um, I think that helps out of home viewing, too. Right. Because people are less nervous 
going to friends' houses to watch games, going to the bars to watch games. So I think most of the out-of-home viewing is probably watching at other people's houses just because of the audio tracking. Um, but uh, I think the, the, you know, the continued improvement with, with COVID helps all the, uh, the out-of-home ratings. Can we go on one other out-of-home tangent? Sure. How much do you think that it's helping ESPN's daytime? Because they're just posting like absurd numbers. It's like once a week you're getting a thing like PTI around the horn, best since like 2015, NBA Today up 33% year over year, stuff like that. I mean, I don't think you can go three weeks without getting one of those press releases from ESPN right now. And I think that they more than any other network would benefit from daytime out of home viewing because it's just so default in all these restaurants and bars. Yeah. So one big problem is given OOH out of home viewing launched the measurement launched during COVID and then the adjustment happened while I would still say there was COVID going on. And it, it really conv- it convolutes all the year over year stuff. But like yesterday, they put out something. I'm making this number up because I'm not looking at it. But I think they said like NBA today was up 33%. Over, yeah, that, over, that is it was year. what it was. Okay. So, um, and, and there, I think the biggest fact, biggest single factor was that this year, the season ended on time and the playoffs started in April versus last year. That was like, you know, not until the late May. You know what another sneaky factor in that is? And I'm not 100% sure because I don't have it in front of me, but I believe a year ago in that time slot before NBA today, it was um, highly questionable with no Dan and Jaywin and Jacoby. And I think (laughs) Max is whipping those. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm only comparing it to uh, probably the jump. I assume that their comparison... For, yes, uh, for NBA today was to the. But I, I'm saying like it's part out of home and part lead in. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I buy that a little. I think that you know the calendar and out of home. So I, I as it sort of as a general rule, I'm at the. Point yeah, well, oh, last year in April it wasn't the playoffs starting that, for that, the yeah, jump. Yeah, that's what I said. That, that, yeah, that, that, that the season ended and the playoffs started like in late May last year, and uh, that's that's the biggest. That's the biggest single factor, I think, with that. But I, I'm, I'm at the point where pretty much, with rare exception, I'm just adding 15% to everything for out of home. Even if it's not like, I don't think it's as big for some stuff as it is for the NFL. But I, I, I have no, no proxy to use, so I'm, I'm using 15%. And so do you, if you're asking me, like, do I think that, uh, that even first take is getting some of that benefit? The answer is absolutely yes, I do. Yeah, be- between bars and restaurants and like, you know, college kids or whatever watching in someone else's dorm room or something. Yeah, I could yeah. buy that. Gyms, I don't like, I don't know how how audio works in the gyms anymore. It's been a long time. since They're not, the audio's never on in gyms. They like, yeah. it maybe like extremely rarely, but at least in the gyms I go to my gym doesn't even have ESPN, which just drives me insane because <laughs> they, they've got like the NBC sports um, regional network. And then they have like, I don't even know which ones, but they have like two of ABC, CBS, Fox and NBC. And so it's just like totally untenable to go and do, you know, a 90 minute elliptical session for the NBA playoffs. Like I would have done in a previous life. 
Yeah, if you if you want to go real nerdy on uh, on out of home viewing, there was a portion of out of home viewing that was always measured, always included, and is still included. And that was if I was a Nielsen panelist, like I had a, pe a, a wired people meter in my house, and you came to my house as someone who didn't live there, I could key you in uh, as a viewer, and you would technically be an out of home viewer in that scenario. And um, and you would like the, 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 the way that the panel sizing works is like each person, you know, rounds to around, I'm making this up a little bit rounding, rounds to about 3000 people, right? So if you really like wanted to game some, like game some of these, you could like, like a Nielsen panelist who loves good morning football, he could probably pretty easily juice those numbers by, I don't know, 30,000 people. Uh, just by keying stuff into 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 the people meter meter. Based so, on the numbers I've been seeing, he hasn't been. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying for something like yeah, something like first take. If Jimmy Traina had um, had yeah. his way, yeah. Well, I I mean I think you know most most people with people meters don't watch any show, right? There's no show that everybody watches, and so there's no show that everybody. With the with the people meter watches, but but my point was like for these these daytime shows that typically do like five hundred thousand or fewer, um, you know they're they're at a scale where uh, you know who knows what comes into play with the with the the changes from day to day, and, and then like for shows that have been on forever, like PTI, like I wonder how much benefit PTI has just by virtue of being on for nearly twenty years, uh, over twenty years. Uh, has like they're just people who DVR and watch it every day. Like I don't think like I don't think like a new show like Max's show launches that does not have anywhere near the DVR viewership that something Correct. like PTI would have. Just even it, first it, take, which isn't like you know PTI and Around the Horn at least are on right before people get home or as they're getting home. But like you know first take, I bet a lot of people DVR that. Yeah, maybe. I think I think all all of that adds up into helping. But um, bottom line is, yeah, I think I think that out of home viewing is is uh, is impacting everything in a positive way. And like I, you know, one of the one of the like the mobile. And by the way, like if these are viewers, they should be getting counted. It just it just messes with our context as like people like you and I who are obsessed with like measuring, you know, versus the last twenty years. Yeah. It's, confounding yeah so that in fact the only issue for me i don't have any issue with the nba or tv network pounding their chest over these numbers and not disclaiming it in any way my issue is all with some some of not all of some of the trade press and a lot of the general media that writes about ratings just like not even bringing it up as a throwaway like you know some kind of there was no out-of-home measurement was not included, you know, pre-2020. Uh, I've explained this to Ethan before, and a lot of the media is bad at math. These are like people who are qualitative strength, and that's why they went into qualitative careers. And that's why these network quants can like get curveballs by them. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, you know. Some of it, Andrew Marshan tweeted this at me yesterday. He's like, you know, part of the problems with ratings is that they're just too complex uh, for, for, for the average person. And I agree with that. Like, but, uh, but I'm, I have no issue with out-of-home viewing. Uh, my issue is completely with the comparisons to the past year. I mean, they just become ridiculous. Uh, unless you're like, 
unless you're looking at household rating. We're, which next no, year, we're finally it. going to have real context again for year maybe, over year. Maybe. I, I think there may, like, I worry there's still a little bit of tailwind COVID and OOH benefit. Like, next year will be even a little bit better than this year. But two years from now, it won't be 15%. On top of this year? No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next year will certainly be more normal. Hopefully it will be completely normal. But the, uh, you know, the, the issue becomes this. Although what happens when Nielsen gets bought out by some private equity firm and just becomes totally opaque? (laughs) Well, they did get bought out by a private equity firm, I think. And they. uh, Are you uh, sure? I don't think it happened yet. I, I don't know if it's closed yet, but I think they I think they did agree. Huh. Maybe I'm maybe I'm up on that. Um, but the, the thing is, is like Nielsen is pretty opaque anyway in terms of how the black box works. Like, I think there are things that even Mulvihill doesn't know precisely about how they come up with some of their numbers. Um, and that's always going to be the case. But uh, um, it's, if you, know, you think the TV people get mad about Nielsen and opaqueness, you should like talk to some of these radio people. It drives uh-huh. them crazy. Well, I think, um, you know, there's a, I think it's a smaller ecosystem, but the ecosystem that covers radio ratings is kind of nasty, maybe compared to the ecosystem that covers uh, TV ratings. Yes. Because they're harder to get. No, uh, but I I meant in the, like, 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 I, I don't see anybody even 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 before Richard Deitch got off of uh, got off of Twitter. I didn't ever see him like uh, he's he you know he stopped all the Paw Patrol stuff, but he never was like first take is just crushing uh, Skip Bayless like that never happens in uh, that really rarely happens in TV. Like you'll mock a show, but you won't mock a show versus you know uh, an actual one of its competitors. And, right. And, and and in radio, that seems like that happens. Yes. Uh, well, only in New York, though. And only in afternoon drive. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. Yes. So uh, what is it? The, uh, the WFAN versus Michael K. That's the, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, that's the one that I see most. Most. Um, OK, so let's but let's I'm sure we've put everybody to sleep without a home viewing. But uh, now I can not. Talk if about you're still again. listening, congrats on like being like a fellow nerd. I appreciate it. Uh, by, by the way, I think there's a there's a greater than zero possibility that the only person listening to this podcast is Mike Soltis at ESPN. And Mike, you can re- relax. We're not going to talk about any ESPN topics. Um, so so you you also you 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 started writing uh, in the newsletter about the USA Network. Why don't you uh, you give us your premise on that? Yeah. So. I actually, I, I, I assume USA Network used to be really big in live rights, like probably 30 years ago. But um, at least in my lifetime, it's kind of been an afterthought other than WWE Raw and it had the US Open tennis for a while. But in like with NBC shuttering NBCSN at the end of last year, they, they probably took a bu- they took a bunch of those rights and put them on Peacock which I think everybody probably reflexively realized but a lot of sports um Robert went on to USA networks so like just the the clearest example I can give is last year USA network aired live sports 
on 17 weekends. This year, it's going to happen on 48. And I kind of noticed it with the USFL because if, if this league launched two years ago, those games would have gone on NBCSN, not USA yep. Network. And so yep. that made me kind of dig into it and realize, oh, wow, Olympics, golf majors, horse racing, motorsports. Oh, my. Like they've just really been loading live sports onto that network kind of quietly. Yeah, you know, I I, I always love the move to shut NBCSN down and move it to USA. Uh, I thought it was a really good business decision just because um, you know, USA was able to command higher carriage fees from the, you know, from the, the cable companies, the satellite companies, the virtual streamers, uh, you know, per subscriber. And I thought by adding sports, like much better to, to prop up and maybe grow USA Network's carriage fees per subscriber than try to, you know, extract five cents more for NBCSN. So I, I think it's a it's a good move, but the other, you know, the other piece of that, like there was a day, USA was killing it, you know, for let's say in the in the aughts, in the the early 2010s, they were killing it with like NCIS and Law and Order SVU reruns. I mean, they were doing big, big numbers, and I think no one you know, realizes how many people watch all these reruns. Yeah, you, you see Gunsmoke as the um, Gunsmoke. Is that the right? Is that the right? Uh, is gun was Gunsmoke the one you used, or am I getting the name wrong? Uh, Bill, Bill, the guy I used to work with the TV by the numbers used something called the Gunsmoke rule, which was to compare compare to guns Gunsmoke ratings from 1960. Uh, but I I I, I don't track. I haven't tracked Gunsmoke ratings in years. There is a guy. Uh, it's the website's rating. I think it's it's ratingsryan.com, not not Ryan Glasspeagle, but a different Ryan, who who regularly posts like the top reruns on cable for the week. And uh, they're still like he he did an analysis. Mm, you know, I think for like April fourth and April fifth uh, was a Monday and a Tuesday. Where where do we think more people watch Seinfeld in 2022 than PTI? I would actually bet yes, not knowing at all what the Seinfeld numbers are, but just based on how many hours it's on in a day versus several networks. And then also on Hulu, it's on Hulu, I think, whichever yeah. streaming platform it's on. Well, I mean, combined, I'm sure it is. The, the, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest sitcom on in the reruns in terms of, in terms of uh, actual viewership and 18 to 49 viewership is still Big Bang Theory. Um, you know, these, these show and, uh, and with, with lesser for the office and, uh, and, and Soundfeld is even, even below that. Then there's like, I think diners dives, drive-ins does pretty well. Uh, I watched a lot of that, so I wouldn't be surprised. And it's on all weekend. So, uh, but uh, the other Ryan did this analysis where, you know, well over 50, like if Showbuzz Daily did its cable top 150 originals and included reruns, half of the shows or more than half of the shows on them would be reruns. And so like we're seeing because of the way they do it, we're seeing a lot of stuff we wouldn't see. And we're not seeing all the reruns that would be there if they just ranked straight based on ratings. I'm not going to get you to agree to this, but you don't think that there's something to the fact that these shows don't make you feel guilty while you're watching them? 
I don't have any guilt about my entertainment choices. No, no, no. I mean, they feel like the the shows now that come out are so embedded with activist messaging that they make viewers like feel guilty. Oh, so. And those shows did not. The shows you're naming like Big Bang Theory, Office, etc. Those were just they 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 were just they were only there to try to make people laugh. Okay, so I've migrated to a world where almost all of my non-sports TV viewing is goes to podcasts and, and, and books. I, I don't watch, like I think the most recent uh, scripted show I've watched on, like on any of these streaming services was, a, was a, I think a, just like a one-time limited series uh, show based on a book called Station Eleven on HBO Max, which I really loved. It had it had no real activism messaging in it. It was it you know it, it's kind of like a post post apocalyptic post pandemic you know uh, an actual pandemic that really killed most of the people kind of a sci fi drama. And so I there's like like I don't watch uh, I haven't even watched what's the one everyone's complaining about now Winning Time uh, based on Jeff Jeff Perlman's book. So I haven't watched any of these shows, so I can't comment. Like I, I have uh, on broadcast TV, the only thing I've sampled recently was the uh, the Law and Order, the original. I can't believe TV. they still do these ad reads on the games, um, but with like for these shows that nobody is going to watch. Well, I mean, they they like if you're talking about like during during the NCAA playoffs and 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 the NBA playoffs, like that's the opportunities that they have to promote these shows so what else can they do i don't know they could they should sell the ad rates to like the ad spots to like cadillac or something <laughs> i i don't know i mean i think where that will wind up going is is more fast food and insurance which i, I feel like i get plenty enough of in the in the in the normal scheme of things uh so i i the, the answer there to your original question about the, the shows just being kind of unwatchable, uh, more unwatchable these days because they make you feel bad. I don't have an opinion on that because I, I don't really watch much anymore. Got it. But um, it is fascinating, like how much, like, I don't think nine out of 10, even if that is their own behavior, would realize um, kind of just reflexively how popular these reruns still are. Yeah, but the, the the point I was back to, back to USA Network. The point I was trying to make is the 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 diminishment of those reruns over the last say ten years is huge. I mean, USA Network used to do millions and millions like per episode for NCIS reruns. Uh, Turner used to do millions for for uh, the Big Bang Theory, and before that. Um, what was the one with Charlie Sheen? Two and a half men. Two and a half men. Like that, like that, that just crushed it in reruns. I mean, I well, it's not so them. surprising that the shows that were most popular in their first run yeah. are also most popular in reruns, even yeah. though those shows aren't smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So The Office is kind of an outlier. Uh, it was not that popular when it was on broadcast TV first run. Uh, you know, its ratings. Its ratings were good enough compared to NBC's other sitcoms, but like compared to the stuff on ABC and CBS and Fox, it, the, the, the ratings weren't very good, even in its first run. 
Does Sopranos have has anybody tried to air that edited? I think A and E did that one point, so. didn't they? A&E or Bravo, somebody like that did 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 try. I feel that like one. that could do pretty well now. I don't think it's on now though. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if it's on now. I know that there are, but but there are increasingly these uh, these uh, these these services called fast, free, ad supported TV via streaming that have everything. I think from you know from Gunsmoke to a lot of these reruns that we're talking about with ads. Yeah, like Tubi and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's more and more of them. I mean, I I I see. I see uh, ads on Twitter for for stuff I have to Google to find out what it is, and it's another one of these free services, which apparently are doing okay. Like people watch them, which yeah, I, they're going to get disrupted by Netflix going to ads, though. Oh, and be yeah, but net Netflix Netflix may go to ads and cheaper. I can't see them going to ads and free. Do you think that's probably true? Free? Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think free plus ads will always win out over paid plus ads, at least in the aggregate. Yeah. How much How much time you have, Ryan? Um, I've got about ten more minutes. So uh, any any other uh, non culture war, sports biz topics you'd like to talk <laughs> about? Um, hmm. Let me think. The I think it. I, I would really like to see, you know, over the last 25 years, the NFL has siphoned off so much market share from the NBA and MLB. And I love football. I love watching the NFL, but I think it would be good for our overall space if that can reverse a little bit or at least stop, um, like, at least the trend halts. Um, okay. Because. You know what? So here, let's 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 switch this. I, I kind of agree with you, but um, this is a topic I know you're familiar with. The uh, the NFL just planting the flag everywhere. Yes, and, and then and then and then actually saying, you know, in public for for quotation things like, "With all due respect to our friends at the NBA." So do you want to? Talk this about is revenge. Thing? This is all revenge for the Mark Cuban pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, get slaughtered. comment. Like yeah. I. Uh, these people are so deliberate and petty. Um, I don't, maybe they would have like taken Christmas away anyway, eventually. But I think that like it, those comments and all of like, it's tough to put yourself in the mind of like these 2015, 2016, 2017 debate shows asking if the NBA is going to pass the NFL, but all of that conversation really chapped them and motivated them to just strike at the moment they could. Yeah. So I, the one thing that's not clear to me, I mean, so this year, and it, they're doing something different this year. There's no getting around it. But this year, at least Christmas is on a Sunday. Like it's on normal football day. Normally what they do is they put all those games on the Saturday and they, 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 they let the, their friends at the NBA have the day uh, and they let their players have Christmas day off. But uh, this year they're they're doing the doing the triple header on Christmas. Um, I can see them doing that when Christmas is on Monday too. I could see them jiggering with the schedule, and I could see them doing that when Christmas is on Saturday. The only two days they really can't are Tuesday and Wednesday. Those yeah, get tricky. Yeah, those those are really tricky to uh, to attempt to pull off. But it's uh, but it but it is interesting to see. Um, any thoughts? 
like uh, my my prediction without without confusion about oh out of home viewing, uh, my prediction for the draft tonight would be down pretty pretty big over the last couple. Oh yeah, because there's no quarterbacks. Two years ago, that draft where they pulled it off remotely when there hadn't been any live sports, yeah, was just one of the most remarkable accomplishments maybe of like the whole pandemic yeah i think that's good that if that hasn't already it's going to get its own 30 for 30 or something you know docu docu film someday it's a big deal it did like you know that was that you know that trumped even even though it was a, a big deal on twitter uh the the michael jordan doc uh was not nearly as big of, uh, of a, a ratings impact as the uh that, that nfl draft yeah, the um, I don't think the draft. What do you think about my take that the NFL benefits hugely from these players playing three years in college because a lot of them become brand names to a lot of the country? Um, like you looked at like Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl this year, like he he played um in in front of you know, 30 million people in the LSU national championship game. So it's that. And it delays like the second contract in a way where like the players become a little bit more fully formed adults before just having obscene wealth. And so I think that it helps now, granted we're seeing all of this like wide receiver movement now, but I don't know. I just think that the NFL benefits hugely from from having those players in college for three years. So I don't know what the impact is, but I, I, I know the I know the the counter to it, which is and, you know, could be for a variety of reasons besides this. But my interest in college hoops has diminished greatly over the last decade. Like I can, I can take it or leave it pretty much. I'll watch it if it's on CBS. That's that kind of thing. Like, and, and after, the, after the, the NCIS you were watching, uh, <laughs> uh, more, more of a law and order guy. Um, I, I like the, the Duke North Carolina game. I was interested in, but I actually listened to that on radio. It was pretty good. Um, but uh, I just don't care that much. Cause, and one of the reasons I think is cause I don't know who anybody is anymore. They're, they're not around real, other than the coaches. That's why the coaches have become such a big deal. Like they're the only, the only constant. Yeah. I, although I gotten, I got really into it this year. Like I, I just felt like the arenas were, were so um, lively that it, yeah, it kind of it's, swung me into it. It's great TV. So I'm not saying I didn't watch any, but like I want almost everything I watched was on CBS. Of, of, so I didn't watch the finals or the semifinals on Turner, and uh, um, it, it's a great it's it's a great energy at the you know the pack the packed NCAA arenas. But uh, but like regular season, I paid no attention to basketball all year long, college basketball, and I I think that's got to be because of because of somewhat I and I used to be very into it, so I think that's got to be somewhat because the players don't stick. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, any other takes percolating in your brain? No, nah, I'm not really. You know this about me. I'm not really a hot take guy. That's, I, <laughs> I leave that. I leave that to the folks at the New York Post and into into uh, Ethan. But uh, I thank you for uh, for for joining me in this experiment. 
and uh, it was it was good to talk to you again. It's good to see you. I'm sorry, my my uh, camera and my iMac sucks. That's so, uh, <laughs> all good. It's uh, it's it, it. I think it hadn't worked in like four years. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Okay, so I'm going to do a little experiment, which is this. I'm not going to I'm not going to tweet about this podcast for a few days, even if I like I, I have to make sure the recording worked and is listenable. But assuming all that's the, the, the case, um, I'm not going to promote it for a couple of days just to see if anybody says anything at all, because that's like part of the test. Right. Like I want to know. You, well, I think people's iPhone subscribes like auto unsubscribes. So I don't think anybody will see it in, unless it's promoted. How- how does auto unsubscribe work? Explain that to me. Like if you don't ever open it for like, if you don't open a podcast for like a year, you're not subscribed to it anymore. Like it just even, stops downloading them. Even if, even if there was no episodes. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Well, that's part of it. We'll, we'll this is, on. this has all been pretty evergreen. So like anything we talked about this week is it's not like we were talking about you know, last you, night's you, game. Well, you know what? So that'll drive me. So I subscribe to my own podcast, right? So if I don't see it in my iPhone, then I will promote it on Twitter. How's that? Okay. Otherwise, I'll wait a couple of days and see what happens. Just, oh. just out of curiosity. And I think this, this, this stuff is all evergreen. What uh, I not, not for the podcast, but uh, what are you in? What are, what are like the big non-talent? sports media topics that you're into right now? Like what, what's, what's where, got where the rest of the big 10 goes. Yeah. Um, I suspect Fox is going to want to drive it away from ESPN because uh, ESPN has just gobbled up so much live rights in the last several years. that They're more powerful than they've ever been. And I think that Fox, CBS and NBC is like a consortium want to like stop that a little bit. It's my guess. Well, I, I don't know I that. Think- it, I don't know that on inside information. I just would assume if I were that if I were a Fox executive, I would want the Big Ten on CBS or NBC, not ESPN. So it's an interesting question to me. There's a scenario where I could see CBS being willing to pay much more than ESPN, but that scenario isn't Fox friendly. Like I think they would want they would want a great Big Ten package for that. Like they but would Fox want already has leaving. their package set. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Fox. Fox has already has the equivalent of like the SEC on CBS, right? So yes. S- well, no, actually, it's not. It's not that good. They have like half of the SEC on CBS, but they have the first overall draft pick. Like they have a draft with ESPN every right. year, and so it it alternates. But they get the first pick, so they don't have oh. the best game every week. They have the best game every other week. But but what I what I'm saying is. Wouldn't they want to just take the best game back always for themselves and leave somebody else with the leavings? I they didn't for whatever. Well, maybe they did, and we don't know that yet. But um, that's so that, the most yeah, interesting. A- and then um, I guess wherever the Big Twelve and Pac Twelve go, the I don't know. It when does, is, doesn't. When I don't does really care. When does, when does I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're up now. Like, because if you know, twenty twenty five means now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then the NBA deal. I'm interested to see what they get. I'm sure it'll be like double, just because of inflation. Now, does it go up more than double? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not buying the NBA's triple line, tripling line, but uh, if it if it doesn't at least around double, I'll be surprised. 
Well, money's worth half as much as it was when I know not technically, but like if anything you actually want to buy costs like twice as much right now as it did when this last deal was set. So doubling really is flat to me. That's a that's a good point. I'm interested to see if they do something wild on the streaming end for the money. I don't think they will. Like, I don't think they'll give like a huge piece. They want uh, so uh, two years ago, right before the pandemic, I was at um, the NBA Tech Summit, and so they had it was like panels all day. They had Mark Cuban and James Dolan on like a seven-person panel, meaning that they would get like you know a seventh of the airtime, and then they had a one-on-one with some dry Amazon Web Services executive. Which clearly means they're trying to do everything they can to court Amazon as a bidder. Right. That's interesting. That is interesting. That's going to be fun. Yeah, the right stuff to me is 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 the is, the, uh, is by far and away the, the most interesting part of all all of this business. Hey, Ryan, I, I know you got to go. I, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. But uh, thanks I, for I, having me. I appreciate it. Like likewise, good to talk to you, Ryan.